Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids.
Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Talking Metal, episode 729 to be exact. Our guest today is Bob Nell Bandian, and this guy has quite a history. We've had him on the podcast numerous times. He's always uh, delivered some great interviews. With this one, I was rather rushed. I, I can't remember. I think I had my kids running around in the background, and uh, things were a little rushed, so I apologize uh, to, to Bob on that, and we want to have him or maybe Carl back to talk more about the Inside Metal, Rise of L.A. Thrash Metal documentary that is now out. And also the uh, song that started us off today, some L.A. thrash metal for sure, Liar by Megadeth. I saw them on that tour. That's off the So Far, So Good, So What record. And to me, that and Peace Cells, I mean, those are the classic Megadeth records for me. A lot of people will disagree for me. They were so rough. I hate that they went back and messed with those records and re-recorded parts and remixed them. The Believe me, the original cassette version I have of that song, Liar, I like better. Um, it was dirtier. It was rougher. Uh, but for whatever reason, Mustaine went back and fucked with those records. And in my opinion, didn't uh, didn't do them any any good by doing that. Actually, the opposite. Still great, though. Liar by Megadeth. And on that note, let's check out this uh, brief interview with Bob Nelbandian. And then we will wrap the show with another tune. So uh, I'll be right back with you guys after this interview. Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and on the Skype line here, we have Bob Nelbandian. Bob, welcome back to Talking Metal. Well, thank you, Mark. It's always a pleasure to be on your show. Well, th- well, thanks for being here, and it's always great talking with you. And you have the third installment of the Inside Metal documentary series about the hit. It's the rise of L.A. thrash metal, and... I think it's 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 just the title alone is is interesting because when we think of thrash metal, the place we usually think of is is San Francisco. Um, and again, I haven't. This isn't out yet, so I've I've seen the trailer. I haven't actually seen y- your film, but is is the film going to kind of explain to us that maybe L.A. is actually the the birth of the birthplace of thrash metal? Well, yes, it does. We get really involved in that. And uh, by the way, our next title that we're editing now is going to be on the San Francisco scene, okay. Inside Metal, San Francisco Bay Area scene. Okay. Not just thrash, but all, all the whole music genre of the early 80s in San Francisco. Yeah, you're so right. And, and that's one of the reasons why we wanted. I wanted to do this title. I wanted to make this the third Inside Metal title. Um, as you know, the last movie... Uh, we did uh, the L.A. metal scene explodes stops roughly around 86. Right. And rather than getting into the latter 80s, you know, which has been covered a million times on BH1 and, you know, the the you know, the poison war and guns and roses, you know, L.A. guns, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, I, you know let's let's it's better. Let's do one on the thrash metal scene of Los Angeles because it was always underground. And as far as birthing thrash metal, I mean, there's no disputing three out of the big four thrash bands were L.A. bands, you know, Metallica originally from L.A., uh, Megadeth, of course, and Slayer. So, um, you know, whether you 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 want to say the scene was 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 birthed in L.A. I mean, obviously, the uh, Bay Area took a took a, uh, you know uh, the upper hand uh, in, in in the thrash scene because I think for one the club scene in the Bay Area 
uh, was a lot more receptive as, as well as the fans and the, the fanzines. And you had KUSF, Ron Quintana's radio station that were playing all those early demos. So they definitely had a, a, a bigger scene. And you got to remember, too, San Francisco geographically is very small. So um, it's a smaller, tight-knit community, whereas L.A., I mean, I, I live down in Orange County, and when we would go to the country club, say, for some of these shows in the Valley, we would drive an hour, and even Hollywood was like 45 minutes to an hour. So, uh, you know, and, and most of the, the bands, the thrash bands in the beginning played Orange County, uh, Metallica, Slayer, um, uh, Dark Angel, uh, you know, uh, Hyrax, so... Uh, the scene mo- mostly in, in Southern uh, Cal, like the uh, I-, I would say Orange County and East LA was was huge thrash metal market. Not right. Hollywood not so much because as you know Hollywood was dominated by glam then, so it was very hard for the thrash bands to get into Hollywood because the, the Hollywood clubs would ban once they would see slamming and they would see the thrash bands. Boom, they'd get banned, so they had to play the outskirts of LA. So it's a very underground scene. So do you think that like Metallica, for example, now obviously they moved up to San Francisco and that's where they, they got Cliff and, and, and Kurt Hammett. But yeah, as you mentioned, they definitely started in the Los Angeles area. But do you think they maybe never wanted to embrace the the Los Angeles name and, and city as their partial home or maybe their their definitive home because of what was going on with the more commercial hard rock bands and glam metal bands in in hollywood oh absolutely not just metallica but you look at slayer and megadeth they're both la bands and still to this day at least slayer is still uh, an la band but rarely do they talk about it <laughs> you know they never say you know right. this this la pride so to speak uh whereas a band like armored saint or or some other bands, even suicidal. They're they're more you know L.A. pride kind of thing, um, and that's definitely the reason. And and it makes sense. And you know you can't blame the bands. You know when when Metallica were playing the clubs, I think it was just before the crossover changeover because when the thrash scene started to thrive in L.A., it was just after Metallica left and went to the Bay Area, and then you had uh, rising up with Slayer and. Of course, Megadeth, actually, their first shows they played in the Bay Area. But you had, you know, Dark Angel, a lot, a lot, Cryptic Slaughter, a lot of these other thrash bands kind of coming up. And, of course, Suicidal, that was crossover. So you had the thrash bands playing with the punk bands, bands like DRI, um, you know, Suicidal and, and No Mercy and XL. And it, it kind of crossed over a lot. So that was kind of the, the scene in L.A., uh, which was a little bit latter after after Metallica split, uh, and in San Francisco, I think it was just more hardcore. Yeah, just a much more of a hardcore thrash scene with you know Exodus coming out, and of course uh, Testament, who were called Legacy back then, and Death Angel rising up. So um, you know, like I said, the the, uh, the L.A. was not nice to thrash metal at all, particularly when it comes to Hollywood, the clubs right. and the fans and all that, and you know, and that and that's well documented. Uh, you know, I mean, well documented prior to the documentary, but also in the documentary, we do get into that. What are some of the uh, the favorite? interviews that you did for this i mean obviously there's there's lars ulrich is in this dave ellison are, are there any others that maybe we wouldn't expect that, that you thought ended up turning out really really good as far as the interviews go and the contributions 
Yeah, well, as you say, Lars and David are both great, and and, and I got to say, their memory is just amazing. Uh, seeing that both these guys have played, you know, close to you know three hundred shows uh, a year for the last thirty years, you know, and their memory is still uh, unbelievably well. So they're always great interviews. Uh, Rocky from Suicidal was great, and he's a guy that you rarely see interviewed. And I've known Rocky for for many many years, and. Uh, he's he's kind of a shy guy, doesn't like doing a lot of interviews. So it was really great to get him and uh, for him to talk about, you know, his perspective, you know, being kind of starting out more of a punk band suicidal and then right. crossing to the thrash market. So that was uh, really interesting. Um, you know, uh, Juan and Ernie, Ernie C uh, from Body Count, you know, Juan Garcia sure. was a long time, you know, he was in Abattoir and Agent Steel and Abattoir were you know, actually just before Slayer, I believe, and they were like in the Pasadena area. They were like one of the top bands uh, playing, uh, and they actually did play in Hollywood a few times because they drew so well, and they were one of the few bands that were able to get away with doing some Troubadour shows anyway. Um, you know, uh, uh, Juan was great, Ernie was great, and uh, uh, also uh, Vince uh, from uh, uh, Body Count was great. He used to be in a band called um, uh, uh, Steel Prophet who were okay. another more of a power uh, speed metal band. So, uh, uh, you know, those uh, Dave Lombardo was great. We got him at, at the, you know, the last minute. Uh, he, he was uh, great as well. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of really good interviews. Cool. And as far as the actual format of this documentary goes, is there – does it – stray much from the first two um how did you approach this was there a different approach in the directing and producing of it not not so much um as you probably know we did most of the interviews for all three of these titles during the same time so it's kind of the same interview footage you'll see you'll see the same background and all that because you know when we interviewed each artist we 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 knew in mind that we were gonna talk about thrash so uh, and then a lot of the separate interviews were just for this thrash, you know, like, you know, Eric Peterson from, uh, uh, you know, uh, Testament and, uh, you know, people from outside of L.A. talking about when they first came out to L.A. You know, Frank Bellow from Anthrax is in this and great interview with Stephen Craig, who was uh, probably actually he would probably be my favorite interview because he goes really deep and he tells stories out. He was a Slayer's original manager and he oh, okay. talked stories that were never, ever shared about uh, a slayer uh, uh i mean positive stories great stories about the early days and he never wanted to expose them until he put out a book but i've, I've known steven for so long that he said look it let's do it so this is going to be a real exclusive with with steven uh talking about the very early slayer shows but um yeah the, the format was pretty much the same as you know carl who's who's been extremely helpful he helped me a lot on the editing and he did a lot of the filming as well as joe floyd uh, did the original filming for um, the, you know the the older interviews? Um, so the format was pretty much the same. We've got David Ellison who does the narration on this title. Oh, cool! Uh, John, John Bush was the last one, right? Correct. Yeah, John Bush. Uh, I did the first one. I wasn't really happy with my voice, so we had John Bush do the second one, and John did a fantastic job as well. And uh, David the same. He did a great job and the and the narration. And I, I really want to get someone. That was the uh, epitome from that era to, to narrate. And, of course, someone that's got a great speaking voice and that could really have a feel for the movie. So that's – I think uh, both John Bush and, and David Ellison were perfect candidates for this, doing narration. When, when you look at thrash metal, 
you know, there's been a lot of different narratives about how it came to be through the years. Now, one is that all these bands, you know, Slayer and Exodus and um, Megadeth and Metallica, they were all kind of like doing, well, I mean, Megadeth came a little later, but they were all kind of doing a similar style and that they all kind of arrived at the same place, you know, influenced by one another. Then there's another narrative that I tend to believe a little bit more that really puts more of this on Metallica because it seems to me that when Metallica released Ride the Lightning, everything changed because that was a sound that I had never heard before by any of these other bands. And I don't think there was anything even close to it. Slayer wasn't doing stuff that sounded like that. Um, you know, and Exodus wasn't doing stuff that sounded like that. What, what do you think? Do you think that Metallica is the definitive inventor of thrash metal or was it more of a collective effort? Oh, absolutely. I mean, everyone was when, and even before then, I mean, you could go back to their no life to leather demo when that came out that that was a game changer. Um, obviously you have the European bands, you know, you had motorhead who, you know, don't claim to be thrash. And I, you know, a lot, a lot of their songs are very thrash oriented. You could say, you know, Ace of Spades and the hammer and a lot of these songs off, off that album is, is very kind of thrashy, but, uh, their influence was, was crucial. Um, you know, of course, Venom, uh, you know, you know these, these were bands just before for Metallica, uh, before Metallica. I mean, so many people uh, credit the punk scene. Uh, but I think in this documentary, we, we get really into it of, of how and that's the important thing is how thrash evolved. And, and most of them credit the new wave of British heavy metal, particularly Metallica, more so than punk. Um, obviously, punk had its influence with bands like Slayers. As we know, Jeff Hanneman was a big punk rock fan. And, you know, as I said, you started the crossover bands with Suicidal and and even, you know, bands like DRI kind of and, and you know, Corrosion started to corrosion of conformity started to cross over into into the more metal stuff. So you had that going on as well. So you know, punk did play a role, especially with the energy and the attitude. But it really was um, basically the, the the new wave of British heavy metal bands. Whether you're talking about Diamond Head, Motorhead, Saxon. I mean, you listen to Twenty Thousand Feet or Motorcycle Man or you know uh, Heavy Metal Thunder. I mean, those are it was speed metal back then. This was all called speed metal before thrash, and that's what influenced the uh, the, the Metallicas and and you know the the Exoduses and all that. Uh, really, they just took it a step above. And I think Metallica was the first to do that. And I agree. Ride the Lightning, I think, was the first greatly produced album that was just, you know, mind blowing. And you, you never heard, you never really heard, th- you know, that kind of metal with that great production and that right. big sound. You know, I mean, it was always the old demos that we were trading back and forth that were, you know, generated and dubbed. 30 times from a cassette. So you yeah. never has that great sound, of course. Yeah. To me, that was just such a, a landmark moment when that record hit, because again, yeah, I production wise and just the, the thickness of it had never heard anything like that. And, you know, Venom and, and, you know, Motorhead and even the first Metallica record, just, they didn't sound like that, you know, and, and Slayer, Definitely, their sound to me changed it a, a lot after the release of Ride the Lightning, as did Exodus and and so many of these other bands. But but yeah, there was so much that went into it, and I think you know the the fact that that it sounds like the documentary will f- you know show that punk rock was was definitely a big a big influence on this is is very cool. 
Oh, absolutely. We have, we have a whole chapter devoted to uh, the crossover with punk rock, as well as a whole chapter on the new wave of British heavy metal. And we also, which was really important for me, we, we got a lot of the European bands in this interview. We got uh, uh, Wolf Hoffman and Peter Baltus. And, and, oh, nice. you know, Except. And a lot of people credit Accept as the first thrash band, of course, before Metallica. with uh, Fast, Fast as a Shark, yeah. Sure. Definitely. And a lot of say that was one of the... Uh, uh, first uh, th- uh, thrash metal songs. So, uh, you know, they talk about that. We got Raven, who were like considered one of the first speed metal bands. I mean, you listen to uh, uh, their early uh, releases, uh, uh, you know, their first two albums, and it was definitely a, a huge influence on, on thrash metal. And we also interviewed Brian Tatler from uh, Diamond Head. So I thought it was important cool. to get their uh, views in this into how they were so influential. Uh, even though they were from a whole different country, you know, how they influenced the, uh, and they weren't aware of it at the time, you know, uh, how much their music impacted. They they found out later, you know, how much it impacted, uh, you know, bands like Anthrax, Slayer, and of course Metallica. I mean, and, and you know, Lars is constantly giving credit right. to Diamond Head and the new wave of British heavy metal bands. And of course, Iron Maiden too, you know, that first Iron Maiden album was, was a huge, I mean, that kind of had a punky feel with Paul Diano and, yeah. you know, that kind of and he had the short hair and the spikes and all that and you know and, and same with halford you know with that that kind of look so you know it, you could go back to, to to those bands as well awesome cool and i want to have you back and carl back once i've actually seen the the whole documentary um which i haven't at this point again we're talking the latest edition of inside metal it's called the rise of la thrash metal we're talking with bob nobandian bob where can people purchase this and when can they purchase it well we already have it on pre-order on amazon so if you go to amazon.com you could pre-order the dvd and i believe you could even pre-order the streaming for amazon prime members uh okay part- cool i looked on amazon prime like maybe four nights ago and i couldn't find it but uh I saw the old one there, but I didn't. I didn't see the new one. Yeah, I think you have to. Uh, on uh, you have to look on the computer and just go to Amazon.com, and then you okay. can pre-order. It's, it's not. You can't watch it yet. Uh, on the uh, yeah, it comes out on the nineteenth, so it'll be coming out next week. Uh, again, it's a two-volume set, just like the previous Inside Metal titles. So part one will be coming out next week on January 19th, and part two is scheduled for April 3rd. Uh, again, like I told you beforehand, we're kind of separating these titles a little bit, so it's not quite as confusing for the fans. Cool. Very good. Bob, it's always great talking with you, and we'll catch up again real soon. Again, Inside Metal, The Rise of L.A. Thrash Metal, January 19th, you said, right? Correct. Cool, which will probably be just a couple days after we post this. So so yeah. definitely do yourself a favor, guys, and check it out. And, uh, Bob, thanks, as always, with talking, with talking Metal. You got it, Mark. I appreciate it. And yeah, man, let's uh, let's wrap this show. As I mentioned before, I've been out of work, so I'm so backed up with these interviews. Bob, I'm so sorry it took me um, so long to get your interview up. And you're probably saying, well, if you're out of work, why are you so backed up with the interviews? What happens is I'm sitting here and I'm doing interviews every single day, whereas in the... Uh, in the past, I'm, I'm barely even able to get one interview in a, a week when I'm working full time. But, you know, that's what happened. And some of these have gotten uh, pushed, pushed back because I had all that Vinnie Vincent coverage, which was timely that I needed to get up. So, yeah, my apology to a lot of the people I've done interviews with recently because I know we're, um, 
were really delayed in getting your interviews up. And on that note, let's end with some Slayer, a band that recently announced they're calling it quits. This is going way, 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 way back. This is Black Magic by Slayer. And uh, stay tuned. I think we're going to have a member of Slayer on the, the podcast real soon for an interview. Yeah, so that should be fun. Anyway, Slayer on Talking Metal. <laughs> 